Hello everyone and welcome to the August 4th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Eric Law, an attorney with Floyd, Scarron and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. United Health Group and Insurance Commissioner David Jones are engaged in a major league battle over $10 billion in fines. United Health Group has sued California's insurance commissioner to block his attempt to fine the insurer $173.6 million for alleged violations during a botched 2005 acquisition. The lawsuit filed in Orange County Superior Court is the latest twist in a long-running political drama. Four years ago, California sought a jaw-dropping fine of nearly $10 billion against UnitedHealth, the nation's largest insurer. The penalty related to problems handling medical claims and policyholder applications after the insurer bought Cypress-based Pacific Care. But that record penalty did not stand. Last year, an administrative law judge rejected much of the state's case and said United Health should be fined no more than $11.5 million. The California Insurance Commissioner rejected that ruling in a 220-page decision and unilaterally imposed the $173.6 million penalty. That drew the lawsuit and a fiery response from United Health executives. The insurer said Jones was abusing his power and setting a dangerous precedent by seeking such stiff punishment for relatively minor violations. The president of United Health's Pacific Care Unit said this ruling threatens to paralyze the health care system, resulting in more costs and bureaucracy for Californians. A spokesman for the insurance department said the agency had not had time to fully review United Health's lawsuit, but he said Commissioner Jones carefully applied the law and the department is confident the penalty will withstand the lawsuit. The insurance department said its proposed fine appropriately reflects the gravity of Pacific Care's offenses and provides the necessary deterrent effect going forward. United Health has long acknowledged that the takeover of Pacific Care did not go as planned. The company admits numerous mistakes in processing medical claims and customer applications. California initially took action against United Health in 2008 under then Insurance Commissioner Steve Poisner. At first, Poisner set a fine of $1.3 billion was authorized or was warranted. Two years later, while Poisner was seeking the Republican nomination for governor, he upped the ante and sought as much as $10 billion in penalties. To justify the enormous fine, insurance regulators said United Health committed more than 900,000 violations after taking over Pacific Care. United Health had challenged Poisoner's proposed fines with an administrative law judge. This case dragged on from 2009 until June 2013 with testimony and arguments lasting more than 230 days. In her August 2013 decision, the administrative law judge found that there were numerous problems related to the integration of United Health and Pacific Care but it was difficult to assess the full impact. In setting her $11.5 million fine, the judge said her bill ruling was more in line with other penalties assessed against health insurers. The state's other insurance regulator, Department of Managed Healthcare, cited many of the same problems and reached a settlement with United Healthcare with United Health for a $2 million fine. 
Both the professional and collegiate athletic concussion cases have reported settlements of former player claims. Early this month, a federal judge granted preliminary approval to a deal that would compensate thousands of former NFL players for concussion-related claims. The ruling by U.S. District Judge Anita Brody in Philadelphia came about two weeks after the NFL agreed to remove a $675 million cap on damages which had been questioned by the judge. More than 4,500 former players have filed suit, some accusing the league of fraud for its handling of concussions. The settlement is designed to last at least 65 years and covers retirees who develop Lou Gehrig's disease and other neurological problems. The original settlement included $675 million for compensatory claims for players with neurological symptoms, $75 million for baseline testing, and $10 million for medical research and education. The NFL would also pay an additional $112 million to the players' lawyers for a total payout of more than $870 million. This revised settlement eliminates the cap on overall damage claims but retains a payout formula for individual retirees that considers their age and illness. It is not immediately clear how pending or future workers' compensation claims will or will not integrate the proceeds of these settlements or be allowed offsets to compensation benefits. As the NFL nears settlement on the concussion cases, it is becoming deeply involved in the new claims filed in San Francisco by former players seeking damages for the alleged illegal distribution of painkillers. Former NFL wide receiver J.D. Hill, former Chicago Bears quarterback Jim McMahon, and six other former NFL players claim the league illegally gave them narcotics and other painkillers that led to addiction and long-term medical complications in a class action lawsuit filed this May in San Francisco federal court. The NCAA has agreed to settle a head injury lawsuit by providing $70 million for concussion testing and diagnosis of student athletes. This resolution is expected to change the way colleges address sports safety. The proposed class action agreement would apply to student athletes in all sports who played at schools regulated by the National Collegiate Athletic Association or NCAA at any time in the past and up to 50 years into the future. The proposed NCAA settlement was designed to pay only for research and a medical monitoring program. If the settlement is approved, it's going to change the way sports are played overnight. The settlement addresses a number of guidelines, including that a student with a concussion will not be allowed to return to play or practice on the same day and must be cleared by a doctor. Also, medical personnel must be present for all games and available for practices. The settlement also establishes a process for schools to report concussions. The NCAA lawsuit was first filed in 2011 on behalf of former Eastern Illinois football player Adrian Arrington who said he suffers from headaches and seizures as a result of five documented concussions. The proposed settlement covers other cases. Not all plaintiff's attorneys were happy with the proposed settlement. One attorney complained that players already received medical testing and the settlement would not help them financially to recover from injuries. The next hearing on the case is set for September 19th, at which time the federal judge may decide on whether to grant a preliminary approval for the settlement. 
more than 450,000 NCAA student-athletes compete in 23 sports. The NCAA takes in about $740 million in revenue each year. And now for our fraud report. A Riverside attorney and a chiropractor are facing criminal charges in a $50 million workers' compensation fraud case. A year-long investigation in the activities of California Injury Lawyers, Inc. has led, the arrest, led to the arrest of Payman Hydery, one of the defendants in the eight-page criminal complaint containing a total of 25 counts. Hydery at one time held a California chiropractor's license, which is now inactive, and a forfeited license for Hydery Chiropractor Chiropractic Incorporated. Records reflect that Hydery was at one time president of California Healthcare Management Franchise, Inc., and president of the Best California Promotions and Management, Inc., as well as past president of Doctors Reports, Inc., and past managing member of the Bellflower, Riverside, Corona, and Santa Ana Health Clinics. The criminal complaint also alleges that Hydery was also known as Brian Hydery and the Godfather. It is believed that Hydery was involved in a total of nine medical clinics in the Southern California area. The criminal case also involves attorney Carrie David Abramowitz, whose state bar license is still active. The bar reports that he is affiliated with California Injury Lawyer Incorporated in Corona. Hydery was arrested on July 23, 2014 at 1700 hours for a felony offense. A declaration in the case signed by officials of the District Attorney's Office alleges Hydery defrauded the State Compensation Insurance Fund of more than $1.3 million. The declaration goes on to state that Hydery was, quote, acting as the head of a criminal organization consisting of illegally established medical clinics and a law firm whose main purpose is to milk money out of workers' compensation insurance companies, close quote and that between 2008 and today, this organization has processed thousands of workers' compensation claims consisting of non-existent injuries. Authorities claim the loss to the insurance companies could well exceed $50 million. Hydery has access to large amounts of money in 26 identified Wells Fargo bank accounts and to money in overseas bank accounts. Because of his flight risk, a superior court judge set bail at $5 million. A list of the entities allegedly defrauded by this enterprise is extensive. A supposedly disabled Berkeley psychologist has been convicted of a $1 million income tax fraud scheme. 70-year-old Hugh Barris was sentenced to 30 months in prison and ordered to pay restitution of $593,000 for tax evasion and theft of government property. Barris, a Berkeley psychologist, was convicted last February after a jury trial of five counts of tax evasion and one count of theft of government property. Barris formerly worked as a psychologist at Kaiser Permanente and as an adjunct clinical assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at Stanford University School of Medicine. The evidence presented during the seven-day trials showed that he started a solo private practice in Palo Alto in late 2002. This private practice generated over $1 million of income between 2005 and 2009, but Barris omitted all of the income produced by his private practice from his income tax returns. 
and at the same time he continued to collect over $80,000 in disability insurance benefits from the Social Security Administration. He also sold nearly $600,000 worth of gold and silver coins to a coin broker. He failed to report the gains from these sales on his tax returns. This month, a federal judge sentenced Barris to 30 months in prison, followed by a three-year period of super supervised release, and ordered him to forfeit over $80,000 and to pay a fine of $75,000. A new federal indictment expanded criminal charges against State Senator Leland Yee, alleging Yee attempted to extort campaign contributions from an NFL team owner in exchange for a favorable vote on workers' compensation law. Yee, a San Francisco lawmaker, was arrested in March and charged with accepting $62,000 in campaign contributions in return for favors and offering to arrange the sale of machine guns and shoulder-fired missiles to an undercover FBI agent posing as a mob figure. Now a superseding grand jury indictment adds a violation of the Racketeer-Influenced and Corrupt Organizations, or RICO Act. Yee now faces three additional charges. Yee has pleaded not guilty to the original counts and remains in office as a state senator on paid suspension. A racketeering conviction carries a possible prison sentence of 20 years or more and huge fines. The alleged racketeering charges Yee with extorting individuals and professional sports teams over the passage of legislation limiting professional athletes from collecting workers' compensation for injuries in California. Yee allegedly told an undercover FBI agent posing as, as an Arizona businessman in 2013 that he should contact an NFL team owner the agent claimed to know and the owner should contact Yee with an offer to help Yee because he would be a key vote on the workers' compensation bill. The indictment refers to a purported owner, but does not provide any evidence that an actual NFL team owner was involved. The undercover agent allegedly offered Yee $60,000 for his vote. The indictment says Yee abstained when the full Senate approved the bill. The indictment also accuses Yee with extorting individuals related to the California State Athletic Commission and the mixed martial arts industry regarding retaining the existence of CSAC and its ability regu to regulate certain sports in California. An attorney for Yee did not respond to requests for comments on the new indictment. And in the regulatory news, the U.S. House of Representatives passed the Wasserman Schultz Longshore's Clarification Act this month. The proposed law attempts to reinstate congressional intent to ensure that workers in the recreational machine, marine repair industry have adequate workers' compensation coverage. This legislation provides a more clear definition of a recreational vessel, which allows small businesses in the marine repair industry to forego duplicative insurance policies while insuring these small businesses, 95% of which have fewer than 10 employees. In 2009, Congress passed Section 803 of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, which expanded an existing exception that allowed more recreational marine repair workers to receive workers' compensation coverage under state law rather than under the Longshore Harbor Workers Compensation Act. This was necessary because repair workers were simply not buying the more expensive longshore policies and were thus left uncovered. 
Unfortunately, new regulations were issued in 2011 that adopted a definition of a recreational vessel that was far more complicated and onerous than the existing law. In doing so, this new regulatory definition ran counter to what Congress intended. The proposed Longshore Harbor Workers' Compensation Clarification Act establishes a workable definition for a recreational vessel. It restores the intent of Congress in the original 2009 enactment to get coverage for these workers under less expensive state workers' compensation insurance policies. Simply stated, this bill is about protecting jobs while keeping workers covered. The DWC has adopted an order adjusting the ambulance services section of the OMFS to conform to changes in the Medicare payment system as required by Labor Code Section 5307.1. The effective date of the changes is August 1, 2014. The adjustment incorporates the 2014 ambulance inflation factor, which has been announced by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. The ambulance inflation factor for calendar year 2014 is 1%. The DWC has posted proposed changes to a regulation and to the Medical Billing and Payment Guide to postpone the current ICD-10 compliance date of October 1, 2014 for one year to October, 21, to October 1, 2015. The International Classification of Diseases, 10th Revision, Clinical Modification and the International Classification of Diseases, 10th Revision Procedure Coding System were adopted in February 2014 with an implementation date to coincide with the HIPAA implementation date. Congressional action earlier this year postponed the October 1, 2014 compliance date for entities covered by HIPAA. The Center for Medica Medicare and Medicaid Services has issued a public notice indicating that HHS expects to announce a new compliance date that will require using the ICD-10 beginning October 1, 2015 for HIPAA-covered entities. For workers' compensation, the administrative director proposes to amend the DWC Medical Billing and Payment Guide to align the workers' compensation ICD-10 transition date with the October 1, 2015 ICD-10 transition date applicable to HIPAA-covered entities and the broader healthcare sector. The DWC announced that Judge Jane Madsen will permanently transfer to the Eureka office effective August 1. Judge Madsen has been presiding over the calendar since former presiding Judge Robert W. Kutz retired in 2013. Judge Madsen will transfer from her former post as a judge in the Reading District office where she has been since 2007. She joined the DWC in 2005 as a workers' compensation judge in the Long Beach office. With only a single workers' compensation judge, the Eureka office will become a satellite under the supervision of Santa Rosa presiding judge James Johnson. The transition will have no effect on access to the office by practitioners and injured workers in the Eureka area. Information and assistance and disability evaluation services will be provided through coordination with the Santa Rosa and Reading offices as they have been for some time. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. 
Again, I'm Eric Law, an attorney with Floyd, Scarron and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today and drop by again next week for more news.